This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hashtag no music, no intro. It is time for this amazing podcast. Thanks to Ryan, we were able to get the amazing, amazing Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network on the show again around the same time as we did last year. Uh, We truly appreciate Cynthia, you coming on our podcast and uh, talking the Saints, talking draft. It's this is you know like for a lot of football fans, our Christmas time is is next week, and so we just thank you for coming on and, and joining our podcast again. Yeah, it's great to be here. I really appreciate it. You know, it's super fun, and this is quite the time of year. And you guys are so dedicated. I always appreciate what you guys are doing, and it's I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. So I'm going to just start with the the hard hitting questions right out the gate. Um, will you be joining Ryan, myself, Greg, and Mark Sessler at the Sugar Factory next week in Vegas? Oh man, I wish <laughs> I'm only gonna be out there for about a day because I'm the shows I'm on are from here, but I have um, we have like an NFL, like the partner summit, which is like the corporate, a corporate thing. So I'm gonna bounce out there for just I don't even think I'm, I'm thinking like 16 hours in Vegas and then I'll come back, which is oh. like a lot of time in Vegas if you think about it. It, it is. I hope. I hope you're coming. I hope you're leaving from Burbank instead of LAX because that's a mess in and itself. Um, <laughs> but we we put out an amazing article. I believe it was last week in regards to draft comparisons and and comps for quarterbacks in this draft class. And we've heard there's just been so much. Reddick and Reddick can talk about these quarterbacks, but Ryan saw your article. He reached out. We really wanted to get you on. And I guess just from just broad layman terms, like what, when you did, when you ran the data, you ran the stats, what was surprising to you when you, when you did the article in terms of quarterbacks in this year's draft class? You know, it's funny because when I look at this class, you know, we, we don't think it's the best class. Okay, great. But the reality is, is perhaps because this isn't the strongest class that the guys will be drafted by teams that don't have as high of immediate expectations, which actually can lead to more long-term success because in reality, a lot of what happens is, (laughs) you know, we, we, unfortunately we have, they, they're forced to start right away, whether or not they're ready. So the good part for the actual guys who are being drafted is they probably have a better opportunity 
to, to become at least longer term starters because they won't be asked this season to do as much. So I, you know, I'm not suggesting this is the best class ever. I'm not suggesting that anyone from this class is Joe Burrow or remember, I mean, remember how we all felt about Andrew Luck, for example, but I just, I I also think maybe we've gone too far the other direction in saying that, you know, none of these guys are worth where they'll be drafted and that that's just not true either. No, I I completely agree. And uh, I'd like that you brought that up because there's so many different factors that go into, you know, a quarterback having success and obviously talented is the, you know, being talented is number one, but, you know, we, I think about guys who you know, get drafted early, get drafted top five, you know, it's just, they're, they're, usually if they're going to a team in the top five, they're going to a very bad team, possibly a bad franchise that, you know, has historically been bad. Um, so, that's just one thing counting against them. And, you know, usually, you know, quarterbacks that are really talented, really good can survive that. But some can't. Like, I wonder, like, you know, what if Sam Bradford went to like a, you know, up echelon team years ago? Or what if, you know, just insert a name there, QBs that failed over time, you know, what would have happened to their careers if they landed in some other place? So I just think that's that's interesting to look at it, you know, and just the way people talk about this whole quarterback class. You know, I mean, look, some of the great quarterbacks or even real good quarterbacks we've had over the years, not all of them were, you know, the most talented or the most sought after, you know, talents coming out the draft. So I think, you know, that article you wrote is kind of with the pro comparisons was interesting because it kind of led to what I was kind of thinking, which is why I liked it, because it was like, okay, like I I could see that, you know, not that they'll become those exact players that, you know, you cop to. But just that those were players that actually had like long careers and you could actually see that in some of these players coming out. Yeah. And I think it's funny because people forget that, like, you know, the the number of Drew Brees or Tom Brady or, you know, Aaron Rodgers or even Patrick Mahomes is very small. Most teams, there's a like there's only 32 of these jobs every single week up to 32 if there's if there's all 16 games. And (laughs) these are really, really the best of the best. So to say that, you know, a lot of people are down on, for example, Sam Howell isn't getting as much press or publicity as some of the other quarterbacks, at least not nationally. And if you look at Sam Howell, he's the best on third down, third and deep. Mm -hmm. And that's a true passers down. And his numbers in his senior season this past year, 2021 at UNC, they reflect losing, oh, Deami Brown and Michael Carter and, oh, you know, uh, Javante Williams, some pretty good people and pieces around him. So it's just interesting how like the, the narrative and perception can shape a lot of it. I mean, people didn't think Dak Prescott was going to be very good coming out of college. So the reality is, is that it really matters where you're going, where you end up, who's teaching you, who's around you. And then there is a little bit element of, you know, don't get hurt. The luck factor is a big deal. You talk about Sam Bradford, uh, look at Sam Darnold, even, you know, it got really difficult for him and, <laughs> Let's be honest, like, I don't know if he's, he's not, Sam Darnold was a very highly touted prospect, obviously. I mean, he got drafted very highly. So, and, and part of it is, is because he didn't end up in a system that really allowed him to become his best self. So, you know, we'll see if it, if that changes, but as of right now, it, it doesn't seem like Sam Darnold is worth the, the, the number three overall pick or whatever that he was. I think it, I think you hit on it because Something that I've, I've, I've tweeted, and maybe I'm just getting annoyed about just the 
continual dialogue dialogue about this quarterback class not being good. It's a bad quarterback class. And I just bring up points of Patrick Mahomes is a, well, was a generational talent. But in the draft that he was in, he was not viewed as, as a generational talent or else the Bears wouldn't have drafted Mr. Trubisky over him. The 49ers wouldn't have drafted Solomon Thomas over him. So saying that quarterback classes are good or bad, it, there's some bit of revisionist history <laughs> in regard in regards to things like that. And it, so it, it's something that's just been on my radar a lot this season. Um, one of my favorite prospects in the, in the draft quarterback or not is, is Kenny Pickett. Uh, Ryan and I, I got to see him up and close at the senior bowl, got to interview, ask him a few questions, see him practice. And it's funny because when I read your article and you can ask Ryan this a couple of days before you posted it, I told Ryan, I said, I see some Derek Carr in Kenny Pickett. And then your article comes out, and that's kind of what his pro comp was. And he just strikes me, I think personally, just I think he comes across as a better prospect than Mac Jones was last year. Um, but is there is there anything that kind of, in your stats, kind of shows that the kind of quarterback that Kenny Pickett is in the po- pocket passer doesn't have a lot of athleticism off script is how that's kind of just meddling in terms of just the NFL. And that's just not the invoke thing anymore. You know, life's about supply and demand and what's coming out of college. Typically it looks a little bit more like, you know, Matt Corral has like 67% of his passing yards came off play action, which in, if you would have said that even seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, people would have said that's gimmicks right? They would have said, is it real? Is it not? And now people are like, oh, he's an athlete. He's because he can run too. So a lot of it is like how it's branded and perceived. And a lot of it is like what style offenses college quarterbacks are playing with and college offensive coordinators. Remember, it's only going to get even murkier here until everything becomes, you know, like the, the, what is it? Like, Like the Adam Smith invisible hand thing where like, you know, you have like between NIL and you have the transfer portal as two significant changes that have happened in the past few seasons. Remember now your kids are demanding, there's more power in the college athlete. They're demanding more I mean, things, be it money, be it opportunity for, um, you know, <laughs> uh, their stats to look good. You know, they believe this is what gets them drafted. They play this way. So, you know, it's it just interesting. We're going to, we're going to see until it kind of evens out, you know, there's pent up kind of demand for people not being able to, earn money in college, number one, and two, leverage the transfer portal to its full ability yet. Once that levels out and people, things kind of get back to equilibrium, I think the stats will be easier to discern. But Kenny Pickett's stats, interestingly enough, just, you know, his, he, he has pretty good, his data is not bad. Like his deep ball, it doesn't have the velocity of a lot of guys. And I don't know if it's because his hands are small or because he just doesn't have the motion that some guys do. I mean, Josh Allen threw 66 miles an hour. Like that's a ridiculous number like that. That's, and it's not sustainable to keep always getting bigger. So I think he probably gets overly dinged because the way some people were coming out of, you know, this feeling about athletic quarterbacks and, you know, even Joe Burrow, like he had smaller hands too, but that guy slanged it. So it's not like, it's just, it's attributes and how we, and how we kind of think about them and where they ultimately, uh, he's the most pro ready. Like there's no, you know, look at, if you look to see how many times he's faced, you know, uh, multiple fronts, 
how many times he's faced disguised defensive backs, you know, man versus zone that's not initially able to be diagnosed. He has the most pro-like resume already. And that's a big deal because the learning curve, if you have a long learning curve, it's going to be far harder at quarterback for you to succeed than if your learning curve looks a little bit more like the pros. That's just the math bears that out, you know? So at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to call him not as athletic. I'm not going to call I'm, I'm not going to call him not as good off script because I don't know really what was, I don't really know how they taught things at Pitt. I don't really know what was expected of him, but what I do know is that in the face of seeing things that didn't look like a traditional easy base defense, he did it the most and he was the best at it. I don't know if that answers your question, but, (laughs) but that's how I view it. Oh, did we get disconnected? No, I'm here. Sorry. Sorry. No, that, that did, that did answer my question and and thank you for, for kind of clarifying that. Um, This draft class is as ones have been in the past is very wide receiver heavy. Um, One of my favorite prospects is Jamison Williams. Obviously he's hurt, which is going to call potentially cause him to fall in the draft before he was injured and before he got injured in the national championship, what did the the numbers and the, the data kind of show how he was as, as a player? So this draft class does have a lot of wide receivers, but a little bit more flavor, like what's your sort of wide receiver as opposed to last season? We had some that were similar profiles that you had to discern between that were a little bit more like full spectrum of wide receiver, you know, talent. Um, look, Jamison Williams to me before getting hurt was my number one wide receiver in this draft class. Garrett Wilson was a close second. Um, now Garrett Wilson's number one because his route running, he's a very good technician with his route running. They teach that well at Ohio state. And I could say that because if you look year over year, the types of routes coming out of Ohio state are really, really, they're crisp, they're clean. The guys know how to execute. They keep doing it. So that's interesting. But Jamison Williams, is, the thing that's interesting about him is his body control and his ability to, he's not a possession receiver. That's like not a bad thing, but he's not a possession receiver. He can run with the ball in his hands. He gets his hips going in the right direction. He has fluidity. And to me, fluidity is defined as, you know, being able to adjust and make adjustments without it changing, losing speed. You know, the change of direction, losing speed, adjusting to the ball, adjusting to an underthrow, adjusting to, you know, an area that he wasn't expecting. So he is the one that's the most complete and the one that looks the most like a pro, like I said, pro ready, but learning curve being shortened. That was what stood out about him. I don't have medical stuff on him. The best I heard was that October would be a time frame for him to return. So that you have to factor that in because obviously, you know, like where you draft someone d- dictates your expectations of them, but he's, 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 he's a really interesting prospect. And I really, I like watching him a lot. He's super fun. I like all those, all the top guys are great for very different reasons though. Oh, Gibby. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, sorry, I was muted early. I was asking you a question, but I, I need, I'm so interested in this computer vision. Yeah. Um, so the things you were just you were just talking about, you were talking about the crisp routes coming out of Ohio State. Is that something your computer vision software tracks? Like you're able to mm-hmm. actually track that 
the crispness of routes. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, you track it because how consistently, so there are thresholds. You can't like, obviously if I walked a route, it would be incredibly consistent, but it would be too slow. So you have to go at game speed. How often are you where you need to be and creating separation from your nearest defender on each of the routes? And it's really, it's fun to track. And those, Ohio, those Ohio state guy really, they really can do a good job of that. I mean, you've got one down there in New Orleans if he decides he wants to play and is healthy. So, you know, you know what I'm talking about that. But ultimately, you know, you see it from Terry McLaurin. You see it, Chris Olave, also in this draft class, is very talent, very skilled at it as well. So they're they're just like, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's that, that they select for those types of players when they're finding, you know, high school wide receivers or if they're teaching it. My guess would be probably some version of both. But they're they're in they're in this place that they need to be in creating separation at a reliable rate and a very a very a very nice and, and quarterbacks in the NFL they like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and you also mentioned in the article and you just mentioned about um, Kenny Pickett's velocity. Is that something that computer vision tracks also? Like the I always thought about that. I was like, why don't we track velocity of the ball from like just looking at it on the screen, you should be able to figure that out. So computer vision does that for you? Yeah, the, the thing is, is it's not, you know, it's, uh, it's what I'm going to say is it's absolutely right. Meaning like compared to, so like, like you can only track, you know, your the way that the screen, the way that the video captures a ball, I can track right. when it's released and I can track, I can track how much time goes by before it gets to a certain area. I don't right. have the third dimension, which is how high the arc goes. So exactly. it's, not, it's not going to be perfect, but right. you, but you, but it's, you know, com- like you make a ranking order, right? And you can, so it's not like completely perfect, but like on an absolute level, this re- is better, is faster than this. This one is fa- slower than that. Like you can rank things, which is helpful, but it's not, it's not like the most, it's the, the precision is lacking. But if you're, me- if you're measuring everything with the same imprecise tool, you can get a pretty reliable indication of ranking. Again, right. not, it's not absolutely, it's not like, it's absolutely right. Meaning like the absolute, like the, the changes between the two, but I wouldn't rely, like the number that comes up doesn't mean much, right? Like you can have like yeah. a, a, a velocity, but you just know that this one's higher than that one. Right. Right. It's relative. I got you. Yeah. The relative factor and like the absolute distance between things are fine, but not the, it's not perfect. Oh, are you there? I feel like I don't want to overblow like the whole wide receiver conversation, but I also feel I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one of the most polarizing prospects in the entire draft in Traylon Burks, Justin, so much about his combine or measurables were just kind of overblown at the combine. Um, is what do the, the numbers show on him as a prospect in terms of is he too slow? Is he too big? Is he going to be able to get separation from receivers? Because it's a huge thing in terms of like a debate as him as a prospect. Yeah, I think this one also went too far the other direction because Traylon Burks, if you watch his film and you and, and, and we don't even need computer vision for this, but his game speed is just fine. You know, he's not out of range. I don't think he's <laughs> I don't think he's what's the word I'm using. He's not like going to not get separation because he's so slow, but he's also not going to Tyreek Hill you. 
You know what I mean? So, right. and, and that's okay though. He's in range. The, the, the thing that's special about him is his use. Like if you can really make use of him, like at or behind the line of scrimmage, now that would be interesting. Like everything. And, and look, it doesn't sound sexy. Be like this guy'd be great with a bubble screen, but ultimately even as a runner, like is used as a running back, kind of like Debo, but like not right. The, his hands are strong. He comes down with the ball in short area. He wins in short area. And if you can use him, if your OC can figure it out, it's going to be great. But if your OC can't figure it out, then it's going to be a mess. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> I think you said it perfectly. So yeah. perfectly said. So, but, but I, but I, but I'm not, his speed is not the thing. Like that's not, that's not the thing. That That's fascinating. And uh, another thing, just kind of shifted back to the quarterbacks for a second. The the Malik Willis question, I think a lot of people wonder, obviously he's talented, physically talented. He's a great kid from what I could tell. Um, but, you know, coming from the offense he played in, he, he, you know, he scrambled a lot. You know, he scrambled a lot. He played behind, you know, some kind of shoddy offensive, I mean, offensive line sometimes. Um, he ran, he threw the run. He ran to throw a lot. Um, what did the data come back for, you know, with him? I saw, I saw, um, who did you have? Who was this comp? Uh, I said Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts, yeah. You know who he really looks like is Steve McNair. That's who I, like, he really does remind me of Steve McNair when I watch yeah. him. It, Steve McNair is a little out of range for when I, where I typically, like, I usually try to keep it because, the, the game of football changes so much over a, a finite period of time that Steve McNair is yeah. a little bit out of range for what I usually like to look at. But like, that's where he came up as very early, but Jalen, Jalen Hurts has that too. So it's not, it's not dissimilar. I, I, I stand by it, but Jalen Hurts was more polished and faced much higher, you know, like him coming out of college is not the same thing as Malik Willis coming out of college. I mean, Alabama yeah. is pretty good. Um, so when I, when I look at him, it's just interesting that, um, you know, every quarterback needs a good teacher and every quarterback needs an opportunity to have a team be built around their specific style. You could not plop in Joe Burrow to the Ravens and have the same type of success as Joe Burrow has in Cincinnati. And (laughs) which is amazing because he had a crappy O-line, but but there are different types of quarterbacks. And you know what? Maybe a better one is to say you couldn't plop Kirk Cousins into the Ravens and have that work out. That wouldn't be a good thing. You couldn't plop Lamar Jackson onto the Vikings and have it look the same. It wouldn't work. So you want both. You need to be able to create the system around you that accentuates all of the positives and the natural God-given traits that all of these guys have. But you also need to have the traits that somebody understands and the ability to learn and be taught to accentuate your positives. Because Malik Willis's athleticism is ridiculous. His ability to, I mean, his throwing on the run, like he makes, he's like, a, he is a running back. You know, it's, it's really interesting. And his imp- like improv skills, he can throw with great velocity off platform. These are all things that are really good for modern quarterbacks, right? Off-platform throwing is like Josh Allen's secret sauce. It's Patrick Mahomes' secret sauce. That's what makes them really like, you're like, how, I just see Patrick Mahomes, you are horizontal, and that ball just traveled 40 yards. Like, I don't understand this. <laughs> you know, like, mechanics are in, incredible. So Malik Willis has that upside, but 
unfortunately for him, he, we don't know. There's a lot more risk. He's a riskier stock pick because, you know, if you need him to start this year, I don't know what he knows about defenses. I don't know if yeah. he, knows what he knows about defenses. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's very, it's very tricky. And, and by the way, Andrew Luck coming out of Stanford, like that, he didn't know defense. It's it, there's no, like, it's not a knock on him. You know, it's just, it's like when we're all trying to get jobs coming out of college, if you have the internship at Goldman Sachs, pretty sure, you know, what it's like to work at Goldman Sachs a little bit better than if you have the internship at Sears and you're working in a warehouse and then you try to Goldman, go to Goldman Sachs. It's just a different, it's just a different thing. So our resumes are, are what they are. It's our only, you know, you, you get better at every, the more reps you take doing something, the better you're going to be at that thing. And that's everyone. So I love Malik Willis. I love his personality. I think he is a really interesting, fun player. I wish him the best. I I'm from Michigan. I hope he doesn't become a lion and you know, that that's just that (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So, (laughs) uh, I will say this about the Lions. We, Ryan got a chance to ask Dan Kemble a, a question at the Senior Bowl, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, if Sean Payton, like, if he was going to step down, like, why couldn't he have stepped down, like, last season and Dan Campbell could have been the head coach? Because I truly feel like Dan Campbell is – have the Lions steering towards the right, the right ship. Like, he is a good – NFL head coach and I think that's very um apparent just talking to him and hearing him hearing him talk it I I think the line I think the Lions should just take Malik Willis at two and just and just ha- have your quarterback of the future and and move on um something that I wanted to potentially ask you and I don't I don't know if you would have the data readily available but something that Ryan and I have harped on especially the last couple of seasons, but especially last season is just how there has like in terms of skill position players on the saints that they are one of the least talented, you know, excluding Alvin Kamara. They're one of the least talented teams in the NFL. You know, we're hoping they can grab a wide receiver, a tight end somewhere in the draft. Is there anything of your, your numbers or statistics that, confirms them being kind of in the property levels in terms of NFL skill position players. I mean, I, I, I don't have that. Like, but I can tell you from watching that. I mean, when you wrap up all of that money in into Michael Thomas and he's not on the field, like that is a huge blow, not just to, you know, because you're losing Michael Thomas, but also the opportunity cost of spending all of that money on someone else. Right. Like, not not to say he's not worth it, but when he's not on the field, that is that is a big loss. And yeah. the Saints have been very very fortunate that, like, look, Alvin Kamara is awesome, obviously. And then you know it's like the other guys step up in time. Like Taysom Hill is confusing, but he's 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 been useful. And the O line, I'm more worried with no Teron Armstead than I am about some other things on your team, right? So you know it, it's it's sometimes the you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I think that the saints are really, you know, a really good defense. It's funny. Cause like you would have said 10 years ago, the opposite would have been true. Right. But like oh, yeah. you know, the really good defense and the really good O line that makes up for a lot of problems and, and how versatile running back is like very, very helpful stuff, all helpful stuff. But, but it's, you know, <laughs> at some point, when all of your when your money is wrapped up into someone who is not even on the field for a, you know a, a percentage of the time that matters, 
you're going to be, you're going to be hurting. Um, just with your time, I don't know how long you've been like compiling statistics for prospects, um, you know, and just going to look back for historical trends and stuff like that. Uh, but hey, or is your, does your data kind of update over time to kind of perfect mm-hmm. itself? And has it matched up with what's happening in the league? Like players that you had highly rated from your data um, and then looking how they perform in the NFL, has it matched up or has it kind of been like a learning process where you had to kind of tweak some things? I mean, um, you're constantly tweaking. I'm never going to be like, it's perfect. It's good. Yeah. I think like I have more wins than losses. I'm, I'm happy about that. It's obviously better once a player gets paired with a team, right? In like operating in a vacuum, it's very hard because now you have 32 options for many players, not every player, but many players, there's 32 options of where they could go. And if they end up in a place that works for them, then that's wonderful. And it, and it tends to be, it tends to be better if they end up in a place that is not, then it tends to go worse, right? Like it's it just, it, that's, that's, it's simple, but it's true. And then I look to see, okay, well, after, after they're paired, you know, now what? And then it my, obviously once we know where players go, everything gets a lot more accurate, right? Like you can, there are some really truly historically relevant and true things about players ending up at certain spots and with certain other teachers and certain other people. Like for example, if the bills were to take a cornerback in the first round and let's say, you know, one of the top three, four, let's say Trent McDuffie fell to them, right? Like Trent McDuffie is probably the third or fifth, fourth best cornerback in this draft and depend on maybe Andrew Booth, maybe him, whatever, but let's just say he's third or fourth. But if he were to end up with the bills, he's going to look like a lot, a lot better than if he were to end up at the lions, for example, because the bills already have two marquee safeties in place. And when Tredavious white comes back, that will be a lot of help on the other side. (laughs) So, you know, when, when you, when you have those factors combined, that actually is better. He'll probably have a longer career. Should he end up somewhere there than if, you know, if, if Trent McDuffie were to be, you know, the, the third or fourth best corner ends up on a team where, he's got to be the man like maybe you know, even even the Vikings who they brought back Patrick Peterson but like you know Patrick Peterson's probably not in his prime as much anymore so he's going to have to really step up a little bit a little bit more right like so it really does matter and like is your defensive front good is it not like so there's there's always there's nuance to all of it have you been have you been able to quantify the question of passwords versus coverage like you know it's important to get great cover and that'll help you pass rush or the pass rush helps your coverage. Have you been have you been able to quantify that, or is it just simple of you know, a question of what you like? Well, the reality is, is you know, <laughs> they both matter, and you know, yeah. like I see, I've seen articles that go with both. I tend to believe that the shift from edge rushers coming off the edge to coming to the interior, like the emergence of Aaron Donald and where he lines up. Like that didn't used to be where people were rushing from, right? Like you weren't getting in, there weren't as many interior guys. Well, and, and also like an outside linebacker, remember they're taking two more steps than a guy who has a hand down 43 defensive end. So if you're shortening the distance to something, there's going to be a, there's going to be a lag time before offenses pick up how to stop that. So therefore you'll get a bit of an advantage. If you're, if you're Aaron Donald and you're coming, you're, you just have to beat a guard. 
See ya. Right. So yeah. whereas like, you know, a corner that's a le- like that's two or three steps less. Think about it. than your edge rusher or than your outside linebacker or your traditional edge rusher or your outside linebacker. So it, it really, the answer is, is like, it really depends, right? Like the ideal would be to have two really good pass rushers and two really good corners, but like who can, who can do that? <laughs> there, there just aren't that many to go around. Right. So, you know, so it, it kind of depends. It kind of depends. It also, if you're in a division where there's a lot of crappy guards then, and you have Aaron Donald, you're great. If you're in a division where the tackles aren't so good and you got Cam Jordan, then okay, that's great. Or if you're in a division where the O lines are pretty good, then you probably need that strong corner because you need the extra second or two, mm-hmm. right? So it, it there's no one answer that fits everything, right? Like the answer is is like what is what blend of pieces do you need on your specific team to win enough games for you to get into the playoffs? Because that's when you know get into the playoffs. Step one. Win in the playoffs, step two. You know, like that's that's just how it goes. I I just want to say, going back to I think the point you're making, the the social worker in me just like in terms of where a player goes, especially like a rookie and how their career is affected, it it, it kind of just brought up like the whole nurture versus nature kind of yeah. kind of debate, and it's so fascinating because. You know, some players, there are some players, regardless of where they, where they, if, where they go, they're, they're, they're talented enough that potentially they can make it work anywhere. Like if Patrick Mahomes hadn't went to the Chiefs, if he went to the Niners or the Bears, like there's poss- there's a lot of possibility that he still be, be able to Patrick Mahomes. Maybe, right? No. But, like, but just I mean, the situation is so crucial into how, all these incoming players um, work out. And I just think it's, it's just a fascinating way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, look, the nurture and nature, you know, just like you find in your social work, I'm sure it is both. It is. There are some things I don't know how many, like, like, you know, everyone, I just remember Andrew Luck coming out of college and it was like, there's no more surefire, you know, guy that's going to turn around your entire blah, 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 blah than this guy. And you're kind of like, well, he stepped into a pretty good cult situation. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it, like it definitely way worse ones existed in that moment. But Peyton Manning, it just happened to get hurt that last year. So, you know, it, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting dynamic of, you know, I don't think you could put anyone, I don't think you could put Patrick anywhere. And I love Patrick. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's like really, really special, but I don't think you could put him just anywhere and it go as well as it has. I mean, maybe you win a couple more games, but look at Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford now won a Super Bowl with his second team. With the Lions, he couldn't win a playoff game. Not one. And that's, I mean, they didn't make it to the playoffs very often, but then the two times he did, (laughs) they couldn't get a win. (laughs) No, it's it's just a fascinating thing. I wish they were like, you could travel to multiverses and see quarterbacks with different teams to see how it would play out, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. that's impossible. But, uh, you know, you are able to somewhat do that with computer vision. So there is that. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, look, like there are some traits that are, you know, some nature traits that are, you know, going to express more often in certain situations. And there are some things that, that, you know, are going to express almost, you know, regardless of the situation, you know, like being tall, like you can't, you're not going to not be tall if you're on the Bengals versus if you're on the Lions, like you're still going to be tall. 
you know, and, and whether or not that matters is one thing, but you know, there are some things that are just not going to change, but I would argue that a lot, a lot, a lot of things can be changed. Circumstantial. I have one more football question for you. Then I just want to talk, talk about the, the blow up in, in your career and just how great you're doing at the NFL network and all the shows you're on, because we definitely want to give you uh, your deserved shine. The player that blew up the combine, Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. Um, what is what does the the numbers or potentially the the data sh- show of the positional value of a player that's a defensive tackle that may play twenty to thirty snaps a game um, in terms of how important that is in in an NFL defense. I mean, it'll be a first round pick, not just because, I mean, the Georgia defense in general, I don't look, it's cool that they, all of those guys blew up the combine Georgia defense combine. Like, wow. They like totally nailed it. But the reality is, is that they all played together showing you the the value of how things work together. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like it's hard to separate them. Like you have to look and see what, you have to look and see what the film says from college and how a defensive coordinator can use that because not all defenses are the same. And by the way, now offenses all got better. So you're, you know, the quality of your competition, even though, you know, SEC is really good. So, you know, that's, that's interesting, but, but ultimately it's going to take creativity and how do you value, how do you value the opportunity versus someone else? Because remember, it's not just who they pick. It's, the opportunity to pick some someone else at that position. And that's, what's really interesting. Cause in reality, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of um, this, this draft there, there's a lot of guys who in normal years would be like really strong late first round for, you know, early second round guys. Uh-huh. So like, I don't know, like how, how who are you going to reach for? Because I don't know. And so I like him, but okay. I, not to be like, like how much, maybe, maybe some teams view him as a guy who's really good at just stopping the run and that's it. And, you know, there's not a lot of people who, you know, how much do you pay for that? What do you think for that? What, where's your, but okay. Like it, it just, it's just how all it takes is kind of one, but I think that the way that that defense was constructed makes them all look great. Like you can't, like all of them are really good. I, I think he's the second best defensive tackle on his team, to be honest with you. <laughs> so. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I don't have any more questions. You can, uh, you can go ahead, Adam. So really just, appreciate- I, we, we loved you coming on, but I, I did want to give you your appropriate shine. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm paying attention to it more this year than I did last year, but I feel like, you are getting more opportunities to be on TV, to host things, to um, share your knowledge with an audience. And so I, first I wanted just to congratulate you on just the way your career is taken off and just kind of just, just talk to us about how, how your grind has been for you to be where you, where you are now, because it's, it's definitely good to see you succeeding and see you thriving. So kind. Thank you. Honestly, like life's a little bit about like, luck and preparation and preparation part. Like, 
you know, you got to keep getting better, even when it's a little bit frustrating because it takes a while to, you know, analytics can now you hear it in broadcast and I don't even know what it means anymore. Sometimes like, you know, you'll hear during a game, someone will be like, Oh, the analytics says to go for it or not. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. you know, I'm like I, don't, I don't even know what they're talking about right now. Like, and so it can be off-putting and it is very nuanced and very detail oriented. But I think that, you know, <laughs> I think people do respect like passion for something, loving something and like a command of the information. And I've been really, I've learned a lot um, about kind of all of those things, right? I knew about the, I, you know, I obviously have a, a, a pretty solid background in analytics and a very legit, you know, I've worked for a number of teams. Like I have, you know, I, I, I was lucky I, I paid my dues there, but you know, it takes a while to create something that's a little bit that can feel so different in such an area like TV, where things are pretty similar a lot, you know, like they, they yeah. don't change, you know, TV doesn't change very fast. So it's been, thank you for, I really appreciate the support. Like it means a lot because it's, it's kind of hard to change the way people look at things after so long of doing things in one way and change change is always hard. Always. No, it is. It is. And I've been following you for a long time and just, you know, for you to go on there and then you, you bring, you come in there with analytics and you know how people are with analytics and football. I mean, it's, it's more accepted now, but there's still a lot of people that's just like, ah, whatever. You know, I don't care what your probability analysis says. It's, <laughs> you know, but I just, the fact you bring it and not only that, you, you know, some, I, some people talk about analytics, like you said, it's just, they're not really selling it right. But when you talk about it and you, you kind of break down what your models are doing, how it gets the data, and why it why it means what it means. It has a more impact. That's why you know when I hear a lot of people talk about it, I'm I'm not trying to get them on the same Twitter podcast. When I when I was trying to, I was like, I got to get Cynthia on here because that stuff is really fascinating to me. What you're doing, so we really we really are happy to see you know you you grind your grind is coming into fruition and you having the success you're having, and I hope you have more. Well, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. You guys, you guys work really hard. I always appreciate it. And I'll always, you always make time to come on with people who are just like you guys, you know, who are like, you just love it and you're just grinding and you have other jobs. Like that's incredible. I have so much respect for that. No, we, we appreciate, we appreciate it truly. Um, I did think of one last question and I, it was one that I was driving home and I was like, I have to ask her this. And then I forgot it. And then I just remembered it. Trevor Penning, there's this thing where people bring up that he got like 16 or 19 holding penalties in college at a, at a, not a, you know, power school. And is there anything that shows that if an offensive lineman has a lot of holding penalties or what have you in college, that they may either have that same type of trend or may not be a good offensive linemen when they get to the NFL, they couldn't handle the college competition. Uh, my, my question back would be, you got to watch all those. Cause I watched Trevor Penning's penalties and I watched, you know, look, there are a lot of things that are at play and there are a lot of penalties. Now, some people will say that you can't fix that or, 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 or make that go away. Other people will tell you that, that's like maybe his guard didn't whose the responsibility was it and the guard was supposed to tap him and uh, like whatever you know like we don't know the reality but if you have a plan and a system for kind of getting that out of them you see it go both ways so it is not 
like the correlation is not enough that is causal, meaning I don't know if there's, there, there's some correlation, of course, like, because obviously people don't like holding penalties. Nobody, no team likes to be punished for extra penalties when they don't have to. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if he's getting, cause I saw him get double and triple teamed quite a bit because he was very, very good. So mm-hmm. some of that is like, well, <laughs> you know, like that won't happen yeah. in the NFL as much. So the, the context and the nuance of it really does matter because, you know, it's, it, is it, is it jumpiness or is it like at some point you're getting held by three people? It's very hard to, it's hard to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, or you're, you're, you're monster. You're a lot of people are in charge of trying to figure it out and they're trying to trick you with this type of whatever. And who knows? Okay. I, I, I hate it. I hated to do it, but I, it's such a thing that's been just popping up over and over on the timeline and, you know, just various places. So I wanted to get it out there. Um, please, if you have not read uh, Cynthia's column in regards to um, compare, uh, comparables comparisons for quarterbacks in this draft class please read it it's an amazing fascinating read um you can find cynthia on nfl network can you just i know you do a plethora of shows just let the listeners know where they can where they can find you where they can see you yeah so for this draft season i'm on path to the draft which is every day well but i'm on three days a week and then i'm also on total access and then next week for the draft i'll be on our digital coverage and then on the main set on on the main coverage, but I'll be from, from, uh, Inglewood, um, on the third day, but we'll, we'll if you, the draft, the, the digital draft coverage is actually pretty, really cool. So I'm very excited. Yeah. To be that. Well, it, it, it's next week. Christmas is quickly approaching. Uh, Ryan, Ryan and I will, will be in Vegas and ready to have a ball or cry with the Saints draft picks, regardless of how it goes. But, Please uh, read Cynthia's column, catch on NFL Network. She's a just a, a star at, at this point. And so we really appreciate you for coming on. And it, it, was a, it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Cynthia. With that, we're out. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.